0: Thorny, as we venture into the r two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state, and we love great beer. And you know what else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Sister IPA is probably one of my favorites. But we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a Mountain Man Scotch Ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a Mountain Man, but you are right. I do
1: love their Mountain Man Scotch Ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their Golden Bobcat Pale Ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite Bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson. And as always, go Cats.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the RR Catcast, a fan based podcast focusing on Montana State athletes. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy it. All right. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the RR Catcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley. He's your host, Ryan Thornburg. We are the Ryans of the r Cat Cast, CatCast, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. And we have a ding sponsor in Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, brewing awesome beers in downtown Great Falls with his second tap room over in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. thorny it's been a while, but we are back. You can't keep the Ryans away for long. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Like, I wasn't really expecting to be back on the mic so soon, but feels good. I'm actually excited to record tonight. Let's go. Absolutely. All right, let's get after it. Uh, Ryan and I thought we'd come on to an episode because, well, we have a special episode coming to you for a third of it. (laughs) (laughs) Roughly a third, maybe maybe a half. (laughs) Yeah, so in this offseason, we kind of wait until things happen and then we make it an excuse to make an episode and we have enough for an excuse to make an episode. We're going to talk about the signing day that happened here on Groundhog's Day, February 2nd. That is today. We'll go over our recruits for the 22 season briefly. We're excited to talk about them a little bit. Ryan and I have not done extensive research on these dudes, so we'll just go down the list and give you some broad, sweeping narratives about the whole class, how we feel about it, and whatnot. Super exciting stuff. But then we will get into the thing that I'm most excited about, the Super Bowl. Ryan and I are Bengals. I'm a Bengals fan. Thorny is a Rams fan, and it's come down to Foley v. Thorny, Super Bowl fifty-six. It's gonna, it's gonna go down. Fight in two weekends. <laughs> we're gonna break down the Super Bowl. You've been calling for it. We're gonna give it to you. We're gonna talk the Super Bowl. So, uh, oh yeah, we're also gonna talk about coaching changes. There you we go. Have a couple of coaching additions <laughs> in there. I don't think we have any Golden Cooley questions. Not in that order. But- Super Bowls last.
1: We'll give you a nice cut-off Super Bowl's point last. where we're like, "All right, if you don't want to hear any non-Bobcat stuff, go ahead and tune out." So we'll talk Bobcat stuff first, keep you nice and informed there. Maybe talk a little Troy Anderson, maybe, maybe, and then we'll get into some nice Super Bowl mono mono stuff because we both had very good years as football fans. <laughs> man, it doesn't get any better. Like, oh, I guess it could, but uh, it it really doesn't though. Get any better to have all your favorite football teams in the Championship games? Come on. And one of us is going to win one. One of us is going to be celebrating our, our Super Bowl team here in a few weeks.
0: That's true. I thought about that. We both suffered a loss over in Frisco, but now one of us is going to come out victorious. We won't have to have the low of lows. We no. both made it to the Super Bowl. Holy cow. Go Bengals. Go Rams. Suck it, Rams. <laughs> yeah. All <right>. Who day? <laughs> Who day? And have a good one. All right. (laughs) Let's get right into it. Let's talk about the signing day. Today is February 2nd. We had the typical signing day. I feel like Thorny, like the the December signing day has taken all all the shine. And I thought Montana State had kind of a ho-him kind of day for the signing period. What did you think? Did you say ho-him? I said ho him. Ho hum. There you go. Ho hum I was
1: like, well, that's one of
0: those things that it is.
1: you say it your entire life, and if someone else says it differently, like, am I wrong? Have I been saying ho hum this whole time? <laughs> you threw my whole world into the question there. Um it does feel a little ho hum. It, it's it's weird how Montana <laughs> State has been doing it. Most of the signings tend to happen in the early signing period in December. And it's been that way for yeah. a few years, especially the Montana kids. Almost all the Montana kids, scholarship kids, seem to sign in December. So we got – I mean, if you're looking at the list here that uh, Victor Flores posted for, posted on Twitter, which we're going to use here. I mean, you have five today, and there's two transfers announced today. There's one that was announced – I'm not sure when uh, Drew Polidor was actually announced, if he was with the December signing class or if he just kind of announced somewhere in between. But – most everyone else was the, you know, early signing class. So, I mean, yeah, actual February signing class. There's only two scholarship players, I think, Jared White. And is
0: thats is that it? Is
1: Michael Armstrong scholarship? It's hard to tell these things.
0: I think he was preferred walk on Luke Abscher from Spokane's preferred walk on and Jaden and Jaron Perkins, I believe, are both yes. preferred walk on. So, so Jared it's White, Jared
1: White, the only scholarship player that signed. I assume he's scholarship out of state. I guess I don't know that either. Yeah.
0: I think so. One thing I like about the, uh, the the December signing period is that's when you land most of your Montana kids. Yes. And that's really fun to track and, and hear their stories and, and see all the announcements on Twitter. Uh, we I don't feel like we even talked about the December signing day. No. Do
1: we want to just run down the players' stats and position real quick? We don't have to give any insight or anything here. Um, how do you feel about that?
0: Yeah, let's just go for it.
1: All right. We can start with the Montana kids. Uh, I'll take the Montana kids, and then maybe you can take the rest. I don't know. however we want to do. Ethan Abbott, defensive lineman from Florence, Montana, uh, 6'5", 285. Um, he's one of the guys that I think a lot of Bobcat fans are excited about. Then there's the Caden and Taco Dowler. Caden, six foot, 190, Billings, Montana, both of them Billings West. And Taco is 5'9, 160. I think Taco is a wide receiver and Caden is defensive back. Came as a obviously a pair there from Billings West. I'm pretty excited about that signing there as well. And then you got Casey Katzman, Kautzman, Kautzman uh, a kicker from Butte, Montana, 5'11, 205. I'm not sure if he's a, a place kicker or a punter. Now that I'm thinking about it, Just said, he's a punter. He says he's a punter. Okay. Um, then we got Max Kimball from Billings West, six foot 180. We got Ryan, this is going to be hard, Cray, defensive back. Oh uh, man, this is kind of hard to read this picture, actually. <laughs> I, wish I, would, I wish, wish I wouldn't be looking at it. 6'1, 205, Great Falls, Great Falls High. Uh, Burke Mastel from Red Lodge, Woo! 6'4, 290. I think he's one of the more pri- uh, prized Montana recruits right there. Let's see who we got here. Max Murphy, tight end, 6'2", 220 from Billings West. Then we have, geez, we've got a lot of Montana kids there. Tommy Nilsson, offensive lineman, 6'3", 255 from Missoula Hellgate. Ryan Schlepp, tight end, 6'4", 230 from Bozeman. Gallatin High. Dylan Snyder, wide receiver, uh, maybe slash athlete, I believe, 6'2", 185 from Butte. And then last but not least, Jake Vegan, athlete from... Bozeman, Gallatin, 6'2", 200. Two coaches' sons signed here, which is kind of crazy. We haven't got to Michael Armstrong, but he is B.J. Armstrong's son. So we have – and we've thrown Jory Choate. Now we have <laughs> three three guys on the team that are either coach or coaches' sons of oh, current wow. coaches or former coaches. That's
0: kind of crazy. I hadn't thought about that. To go along Routing with three the brothers. The December class. <laughs> <laughs> the Perkins brothers, right? Holy smokes. All right, r- rounding out the December class, we had Christian Naya, the wide receiver, out of the Chandler, Arizona, 6'1", 175, a burner. I'm mm-hmm. stoked for that kid. Yes, Holy cow. Uh, all right. Going down, we had Logan Fredrickson, a defensive lineman, 6'3", 210, from Rigby, Idaho. Uh, then we have a kid from Ohio. Look right. at that, Millbury, Ohio. Connor Moore, offensive line. I don't actually remember... Hearing about that name, six five two six. He was kind of a
1: surprise what, on National Signing Day. His like letter letter of intent came by, and I don't think any he was on anyone's
0: radar. I just want to know who's recruiting in Ohio. I feel like that's the first Ohio recruit we've had. Yeah, I mean we had like uh,
1: JP Flynn from Iowa area, but Minnesota. Uh, oh yeah, but like because that was like Rob Ash connections back in Iowa. But yeah, it'd be nice to get some more Midwest
0: kids out here for sure. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. I Imagine we will with our coaching staff. So you that's think? the out of state in December, and looking up in today. Well, Jared White from Frisco, Texas. Gotta kind of wonder if we he came to the national championship game. If he uh, was on a radar before then, who knows, right? Uh, we talked about this kid between you and I. Five ten, one ninety five, running back.
1: Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that very well could be. He may have seen it, seen us playing there. I don't know if he if he had too many other division one offers. I know he broke all sorts of records at his high school. So never hurts to have a record breaking running back on the squad there. Um see if he'll contribute as a freshman. Why don't you go through the transfers here since I took so many Montana kids?
0: <laughs> it was hard. This picture is really confusing to look at. It is. It's all like tilted. Slanted. So you're trying to like look at the, yeah. the whole line across and you start <laughs> to like dip down, like, wait. <laughs> Very professional of us. Yes. All right. Let's talk about the transfers. We have a wide receiver coming from St. John's Minnesota Vista Marietta guy named Ravi Alston, six, three, two Oh five grad transfer. So he's only going to be here one year. I imagine we're looking for one of those guys like Nate Stewart or Lance McCutcheon. He sounds kind of like that body type right there. Uh, We have Sean chambers. You're going to remember that name. He was a Wyoming quarterback. We played him. Early on, game one, he's a three-time starter, captain, excuse me, over at Wyoming. And then something happened in the Wyoming program. There was kind of an exodus of some of their stars. I'm interested to hear more about that later on this season, kind of try to piece that together. I don't know if uh, that was a Craig Bull thing or who knows, you know, just, uh, just thinking out loud right there. Yes. And then we have Drew Polidor, who is a defensive back coming from air force i believe he picked him up yeah. and uh he i believe he signed in december as well he's 6'1 175 sean chambers uh, 6'3 225 uh a big boy at quarterback yeah drew pollador i'm actually a little bit
1: intrigued by 6'1 175 katie texas guy transferring in he'll be eligible to play in spring ball you know it's going to add some good competition and some good depth we got some pretty good sized cornerbacks so it'll be interesting to see how he fits into all that maybe he'll move over to. uh to safety with the, the exodus of, uh, you know, some of the, the players graduating in the safety room.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Ryan, what do you think about the class
1: overall? So let's take a look. Um, I want to take a look at the numbers. So we got just one quarterback, one running back, four offensive linemen, four wide receivers, two tight ends, two, three defensive linemen, one, only one linebacker, uh, four defensive backs, a kicker and an athlete. I mean, I don't know how I feel about the class. I know a lot of scholarships were taken up from the December part, but it, it, coming off like a national championship and having the Bobcat Athletic Center, like two big feathers in your cap, I don't know. There was I don't think we signed a single like three-star recruit here that wasn't the transfer. So, I mean, I don't know if that's good. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because, I mean, honestly, if you, if you go back and run the numbers – only about half of our three star tra- or three star high school recruits ever actually play any meaningful snaps for the Bobcats, but uh, overall, I don't know. It's it seems fine on paper. I was a little under underwhelmed when I saw it, but I love the amount of Montana kids, and I think we got some real good Montana players, which is always the backbone of the program. And Brent Vegan said as much today. So overall, you know, it, it, it's okay. It's it's to wait and wait and see, as they always are.
0: Yeah. Colter Nuonis said it in his program today, and I thought he made a really good uh, point. You don't know about these players. No matter how many stars they have, lack of stars, the only thing that really matters is they stick with it and they don't give up. It's true. They have to be able to fail. They have to be able to be not the best and continue to work hard and grind it out and just want it. The guys who want it, who don't give up, they will produce in our program no matter what. The kids who expect to play, and then don't get it, and then hit that transfer portal. Those are the ones who are just going to flame out. It's not going to work out for them. Kids need to have a little bit of adversity in their life and then overcome that and then just ride that momentum for the full time at Montana State. And so much of,
1: especially FCS football, is finding guys that you project. How do they project? How will they grow into their frame? How do you project their frame? Like, how do you project all these things? That's such a big part of SES football because you can't get guys that are like NFL body ready coming right out of high school. It's a much harder. So, you know, it's really hard to project all that. But I mean, that's what North Dakota State makes their living on. And Brenton Vegan is part of that tree. So hopefully that we're employing some of that same strategy here. And we got guys that are going to be committed that are going to project well and end up being uh, playmakers here down the road. Because you, in a perfect situation, you don't want a guy to come in and and be a, like a freshman phenom. Because chances are that means why is he even on the field at all? Because he shouldn't be because you should have depth and, and players there already. So hopefully it's a class built for the future. And, uh,
0: you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in a couple of years down the road. Another thing I would just say, too, is you can't measure want to. Some of these kids, I look like at uh, Logan Fredrickson, 6'3", 210 as a defensive lineman. I mean, 210 ten's not a defensive lineman. How bad is that kid going to want it, right? What's he, gonna, what's he going to do in order to get on the field? He's going to be a, a story to follow. Who knows? You know, you look at those guys who are undersized right now. And in four years, we're talking about All-Americans. A lot of the time, those are the gems of the stories where we get to go, oh my gosh, did you see that guy coming along? No, we didn't. But uh, being a Bobcat means something to him, right? I mean...
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that does mean a lot to especially those Montana guys, preferred walk-on guys. You see that all the time. Both both Montana schools always end up with guys that are like all-Americans or all-conference preferred walk-ons. It almost always happens. But then you look at a guy like Jared White. We were his only, I believe, his only Division One offer. If you saw his tweet, his committed tweet, how many likes and retweets from friends and family that were so excited for him? Like The guy just wanted to play <laughs> Division One football, man. He is stoked to be a bobcat he's excited to be a division one football player because he thinks he can play at that level and no one else gave him the chance so i mean those are the kinds of guys that could come in and contribute as well just because he's not a montana kid but man he wants to be a division one athlete and he wants to he has a big chip on his shoulder i mean all these you never know what with a guy a, uh, kind of guy's work ethic and uh his want to like you said you never know absolutely like justice perkins for example <laughs> good example of that
0: you're right. The guy that earned scholarship, and now he has two brothers preferred walk-ons. Wouldn't that be pretty wild if all of Perkins brothers were playing on the line at one time? It would be play? wild. I wouldn't or-
1: bet against a Perkins at this point, though. If if they're all got the same kind of fire, <laughs> Justice has. It kind of kind of a funny uh, side note here. So it's Justice, Jaden, and Jaren. and then we also but we signed Jaden and Jaren today, and then Jared. So all of a sudden, like on Bobcat Nation, you had a Jaden Perkins, Jared Perkins. and and Jaron Perkins and Jaden White or Jared White. See, I can't even get it straight trying to say it It's kind of funny. All the, all the similar names that came through real fast here. Just kind of funny little note there, but uh, anything else you want to say about this 2022 Bobcat
0: class? Nope. Uh, It's good to see a lot of Montana kids. Again, it just all depends on what type of work they're willing to put in and how they respond to adversity.
1: All right. Well, Moving over to the coaching news, we had a couple coaching vacancies um, because – how did this work out? So we had, obviously, Freddie Banks went to Colorado State, and he took Adam Pilipil with him. Like a guy that was here for one year and I never really Uh, saw much or heard heard about, but he took him with him to Colorado State, which left – a defensive line spot? Now, now I'm a little confused because, all right, so what, what's happened here? What's been announced? Tyler Walker has been elevated to the MSU tight ends and fullbacks coach. Did we have an actual fullbacks coach before? Like, obviously, we've had fullbacks, and I'm sure they've been coaching them, obviously. But <laughs> the actual, in the title, no. a fullbacks coach, can't no. can't be a whole lot of programs in the country that have a fullbacks coach. But Tyler Walker, <laughs> who's been the, the director of football recruiting for the past year, I think he's a pretty new guy to the program himself. Was elevated he to is. tight ends coach. So congratulations to Tyler Walker, the new tight ends coach and fullbacks coach, which is awesome. But does that still leave like an assistant defensive line position available or is that not going to be filled? Cause I think that's what, I mean, Sean Howe is obviously the defensive line coach. I'm a little confused on this now. Are there any more job openings?
0: I don't know. I feel like in the summertime, you might pick up an assistant here or there. Good. You could Tucker Rova grad assistant. Stating it here. Tucker Rovig, coming back. Defensive line coach. coach. (laughs) (laughs) Assistant defensive line.
1: (laughs) Assistant to the defensive line.
0: Uh,
1: All right. So congratulations Tyler Walker. (laughs) But, of course, the big hire that everyone's kind of talking about, but actually kind of quiet about, which is a little bit interesting, the um, Willie Mack Garza was hired as the defensive coordinator by Brent Vegan. They know each other from their time at North Dakota State from 2005 to 2008. And again, briefly, in 2019 at in Wyoming. And I believe there's some other crossover with maybe Sean Howe back at USC or maybe Dixie State. But more or less, it's the Brent Vegan Connection or Dakota State. So he has a lot of experience. Started coaching in 1994, which puts him... I don't know how old he is, but obviously he's been around a long time. If you look at his resume, there's about... 20 stops on it in 27 <laughs> years or so. hasn't really He's gone the Jeff Cho, Jeff Choate route where he doesn't stay anywhere for more than about
0: four years. What are your initial thoughts on this hire? I have no thoughts on Willie McGarza. It's one of those names that when I heard it, I was like, I feel like I've heard that name before. And then I realized we hired an old guy who's been around the block a couple of times. I guess now that I think about it, I'm not too excited about it. I feel like I don't like hiring old uh, You know, third, fourth, like you said, 20-stop guys who are filling uh, coordinator positions. I just don't feel like that's been my preferred hires for Montana State.
1: I mean, someone who's older in his career is going to give you the best chance to stability, most likely. You know, young and up-and-coming coaches, if they're worth their salt, they're going to be gone after two or two, three years stability. tops. Stability? Look at the guys— Track record, yeah, Thorny. You know. said it yourself. He had 20 stops. Stability? Are you kidding me? Well, I mean, it's a young guy like Freddie Banks is not stable either. I mean, you, you <laughs> no? got to pick your poison here. I think the, the guy in this late in his career might stick around for three years. At this point, three years is stable. That's as stable as it gets yeah. for a job like Montana. I think you and I were both hoping for Bobby Daly on this one. I think we were. I would have been happy with Bobby Daly. I would have been uh happy with another internal promotion. I think Sean Howe. Could have been an okay hire as well. I think Bobby Daly deserves it for ahead of anybody. But we had a couple of good candidates, I thought, internally. So uh, this one was definitely out of left field when I saw Willie Matt Garza, who was apparently like a Texas Longhorn legend, a legend down in Texas high school football and all this stuff. Like, obviously, that doesn't mean anything to me. Some guy who played at Texas in the early <laughs> 90s. I was barely watching football at that point in my life, you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's gotta be some good Texas connections there, but yeah, when I googled him, it was like, McNeese safety's coach? Is our new defensive coordinator? Like, McNeese State? <laughs> McNeese State hasn't been good for a few years, and why are we hiring a guy all the way down in Louisiana? Just seemed out of the <laughs> left field to me, so. But I've done some yeah. research on him, and I think I think he's a heck of a coach. He's had a few stumbling blocks along the way, self-induced stumbling blocks that may have hindered his career. I don't know if we want to get into those. I don't think we need to get into those, but it's probably a reason that he's uh still hanging around this <laughs> level of football. And it's <laughs> but uh I've heard nothing but good things about his coaching abilities. And I think he might try and run the same kind of defense, the 4-2-5. I don't know that for sure. We'll get into we'll talk more about Willie Matt Garza when spring ball kicks around and we actually kind of see what's going on there, but you know, that's just kind of the, the rundown and my initial thoughts, like kind of like you, I was like, oh, I, I guess, you know, here we go. We'll, we'll give that a, a try <laughs> for a change. Uh, you know, Jeff Cho was all about hiring younger guys uh, with the exception of like uh Courtney Messingham who he, who he like rescued from like an analyst job at like Iowa state and <laughs> Fired him halfway through his first season, then he went on to like North Dakota State, and now he's like an FBS coordinator down at like Kansas State or whatever. Bob Cole,
0: Bob Cole was the other guy. Bob Cole, yeah, that does sound familiar. (laughs) Bob Cole, he he did give a couple that
1: was so actually you might be right. He might have given like Courtney Messingham and then Bob Cole, and then he's like, you know what? Enough with these older dogs that I can't teach new tricks to. Let's get a guy in here like Matt Miller who's never, (laughs) never called a play in his life. You're (laughs) it, buddy. But the, <laughs> you're it we got a string back. of young coaches, you're so it. it'll be interesting to kind of go back to the other direction of it. Oh. But I've heard I've heard he's basically an older Freddie Banks in his personality is approach. I've I've heard that.
0: Really? So yeah. From who? From my sources, fully. Well, that's a good thing because that's one thing that was like on my mind. If I don't know anything about Willie Matt Garcia, but one thing I was hoping is that he does have that Freddie Banks a coach or approach. Freddie Banks, what we learned from him was a player's coach. And I think that's First. important yeah. to have a player's coach and also have a deep understanding of this defense. And I know Coach Vegan was going to hire someone who knows the four-two-five defense. So if Willie McGarza is a savant in that, then you know that, that fits that bill. But for me, the most important thing was, is he going to be able to galvanize the guys like Freddie Banks did? Because that, to me, was the sauce that Freddie Banks had that made him special he was the guy that made our defense believe but also made them play the fast he simplified things for them so if Garza can do the same thing that's a good thing
1: yeah and got to keep the same mold the same kind of connection with the with the players like that's always it's always good you know Age doesn't define how much like energy and <laughs> vim and all that stuff that you have necessarily. It does sometimes, but well, look, some guys are just ageless in that way.
0: Yeah, I don't know. See. You look across to the divide; they have a whole bunch of old farts over there coaching. But uh, and it's working out. That's been the case for them. It's working yeah, out. yeah.
1: And there's that's a stable staff over there because those guys are like all in their last stop, basically. <laughs> like, let's get the band back together one last time. Situation over Missoula. <laughs> we got a mix of both at the moment. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, you know, you know, we'll see. I'm I'm okay at the hire. You know, time will tell as, as, as it Whatever.
0: does with the signing class.
1: Maybe I'm underwhelmed. Maybe I'll be surprised. We'll see.
0: It is so hard for us. You and I just sit in Washington state, just looking on the internet, trying to yeah. mine through information about this stuff. We have no clue. We don't know. <laughs> We have no connections. We we don't get to interview these people. I
1: bet if we interviewed Billy Matt Garza, we'd have a whole different opinion of him. But we're not going to. Maybe we don't. I mean, maybe maybe at the media days we will have an opportunity. Actually, it's only the head coach last time, wasn't it? Yeah, because Freddie Banks head Taylor House weren't players. in. Uh, yeah, so we we'll probably will never get to interview <laughs> a coordinator at Montana State. I'm sure we could if we really wanted to, but that's just not what we're going for here. We don't want to be interviewing current players or current coaches necessarily. It's just not our, not our business model. So that would change oh. our opinion, I'm sure, of them, but we'll never actually meet them. So it's a lot harder to form an opinion when you're, all you do is like read articles and tweets and stuff like that.
0: All right. Shall we? I think it's time, Ryan. The brawl of the, the Ryan. What do
1: you want? The brawl of the Ryans. I just made that <laughs> up, right? So if you're done, if you're only here to listen to Bobcat content, now's probably a good time to tune out because we're going to shift to some NFL talk. A first, an actual, a, a first in the r Cat Guys history. Where we're actually going to talk something like a serious subject, not just like beer, because beer is obviously not related to Montana state, but we're going to talk a whole subject, a whole 15, 20, 30 minutes. I have no idea about not Montana state football or athletics in any way, shape or form. So if that's your bag, thanks for listening. Catch you next time. But now we're shifting gears. It's go time. Bengals, Rams, Super Bowl. That's crazy, man. Woo! How crazy is this?
0: Yes, let's go. Man, yeah, let's first talk about our fandom. All right. I know we talked early on this uh, before we started getting on to this podcast. We need to talk about why we are the fans we are for these teams. I will go first. I, I, well, up, I just want to interject my father,
1: real quick here, though, uh, before you go into that. It's so random growing up in Montana, man. Like, how do you pick a team?
0: And that's why it's so yeah. funny. That's why each of us have such different stories. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. That is a good point, Ryan. I think a lot of us root for the teams that our fathers root for, and that's what happened with me. My dad has – his roots are in Ohio. My dad grew up in Ohio, outside of Dayton, Ohio, in a place called Fairborn, Ohio. Uh, and he grew up a you know a Reds fan. Is Cincinnati fan. So we rooted for the Reds, the Bengals. My dad eventually went to Mon- oh, Montana State, excuse me, Ohio State. He got drafted into the war. He came back, went to Wright State, played a little baseball for Wright State. Um, And then ironically, he got transferred or something happened at Wright State. He was academically ineligible. That would, it's what my dad was a really good student, but he dropped a class or something and made him academically ineligible and he moved out to Great Falls, Mon- Great Falls Montana where he met my mom cuz i think uh the air, For- air force took him out there he ended up finishing his degree at uh University of Great Falls actually did a semester in Missoula my dad always recanted that he's like this worst decision <laughs> he said he made was going to a semester over in Missoula anyways a my lot dad's of, uh, ohio roots locations. Yeah, I know, right? So, my dad claims Ohio State. So, where he, famously, he says for him, like his biggest twinkle in his eye about Ohio State was he he was at the top of his class in his uh, major. Anyways, my dad's not with us anymore, but uh, he still lives on for sure. Sure. Um, Anyways. Real quick question. um, Where's Wright State at? uh, Wright State, I believe, might be in Dayton. So it's, an, or, it's in Ohio then?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah I don't Ohio. even know that. Like, I, I don't know if it was in Ohio.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just, just Okay. My dad played, uh, my dad was a pitcher and uh, he got to play on the baseball game on uh, Wright State. Uh, I think they're the Dragons. No, not the Dragons, Wright State, something else. Anyways, I'm thinking of Dayton Dragons, Wright State, something else. Wright State, uh, I'll think of it later. Anyways. Grew up as a Bengals fan. I remember living in Ohio. We did a stint in Ohio. I was probably living in Ohio from when I was like probably three or four to maybe six. And so I grew up a Bengals fan. And I remember back then, Boomer, and you know, the Bengals were good. Actually, in 1988, when I was living in Ohio, I, I grew up, my birthday was in 82. The Bengals went to the Super Bowl and they played uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. They've only played in... Prior to this Super Bowl, two other Super Bowls, 1981 and 1988, the seasons of those, both of them were losses to the San Francisco 49ers. But one of my first memories, Ryan, actually, and I'll end on this, is I remember looking at a paper in our house, like a newspaper, and it showed you how to do the icky wood (laughs) shuffle. I couldn't read, but I I could see the pictures. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that's the icky shuffle," you know, to the left, to the left, to the right, to the right, you know, oh, yeah. and slam yeah. it down, right? So, uh, you know, my whole life I've been a Bengals fan, which has been to the ire of many. I've been a punchline of many jokes, but man, what a run! I mean, we'll get into it, but how how are you a Rams fan? I know you're kind of you have some St. Louis uh, teams you root for, so punching bag it's funny cuz if
1: if not for the 1999 Rams Super Bowl season where they went like 14 and 2 i don't remember their record exactly the Rams would have likely had the worst record in the 90s but thanks to that magical run the Bengals i believe were the losingest team in the 1990s so we were right there in misery <laughs> for most of our most of our childhood so your story is way more interesting way more like it's got more sentiment than mine I think honestly, I started becoming a Ram fan because I like the colors in the in the logo. I have no good mm. I have no good like oh my dad was a Rams fan. I believe my dad was a uh Raiders fan growing up so we we moved to Phoenix in nineteen eighty six I would have been three three or four I was really young. we moved back to montana in like 1989 or nineteen ninety it's been about four years down there. So I actually went to some Phoenix Cardinals game. I went to like a, an Orange Bowl, and and some lots of Phoenix Suns games. Those are the only two sports. That' why your Suns fan? So yeah, that is why I'm a Phoenix Suns fan still. But I never really got attached to the Cardinals for some reason. Some reason. And there was no Phoenix Coyotes, and there was no Arizona. Uh, what the hell's the Diamondbacks? <laughs> there was no. Those were the only two sports fr- franchises back then in the in the late '80s. For some reason, the Suns stuck with me, but the but the Cardinals didn't, so we moved back. I remember my earliest memory of rooting for the Rams is about with Jim Everett with quarterback, so it'd be like 1989 or 1990. And I don't know why. I have no idea why I became a Rams fan. I know my dad switched over to the Cardinals from moving living in Phoenix. As you, as you should, like you live in a city, it, it you should be a fan of the professional sports team unless you just have some deep organic ties. But yeah, just became a Rams fan, man. I don't really know why. I love the Rams all. All the way back, you know, they were L.A. the first time around. Obvi- obviously, as an adult, I wouldn't prefer to pick an L.A. sports franchise. I was pretty upset when they moved back to L.A. It's like, dang it! Now I I root for the Los Angeles team. Man, that's ugh. Feel feel dirty a little bit. That was the closest I ever came from switching. But yeah, just a Rams fan, just because I like the colors and the logo. Way back in the day, maybe, maybe the name of the Rams. I named, I named a cat growing up Ramsey um, uh,
0: because of because of the, of the Rams. So <laughs> that, that is some dedication, but I knew you had like, I know you like the St. Louis blues as well.
1: And it could be the same color pattern to like, be honest with you. And the blue, the note, like the note thing I thought was really cool. I like seeing like, I still have like an old blues Jersey with like the, they had like red, blue and yellow, just crazy nineties colors going on. Like Brett hole and all those like Grant fear and all the great St. Louis players, blues players in the nineties. So I became a blues fan. But I was actually a Rams fan in L.A., so they moved to St. Louis, so I ended up liking two blue and gold (laughs) St. Louis teams. It just kind of worked out that way, and it wasn't planned. I'm like, I'm just going to like every single St. Louis team there is. It's not how it worked out. They moved to St. Louis when I was already a
0: fan. Well, I mean, when we talk baseball, you have a loose affiliation with the Orioles. You would think the Cardinals, but the Orioles out of all the teams, right? But I don't feel bad for you one bit because – your sons, your Rams, the Bobcats now. they've you're, Like like you said, you are in the golden age. I'm in the golden 19. age of sports championships, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Blues
1: won the Stanley Cup, I think, 2019, just a couple years ago. The, the, I mean, the Rams yeah. were in the Super Bowl in like 2019 or 2018. Um, now they're back again. The Bobcats made it to the national championship. The Suns lost in the NBA Finals last year, four games to two to the Milwaukee Bucks, and they have the best record in the NBA right now. I'm hoping they get back. Like, man. What is happening? My teams have been garbage for my whole life. Like the the Bobcats were, you know, ever since the beginning, fan were pretty okay, but never like threatening to win a national championship. The Rams were awful for most of my life. They had that from like '99 to 2004. The Rams were good, and then all the way from 2004 all the way up until Sean McVay well, was like two and fourteen every year. So, oh man, it's it's a good time to be a fan of my sports franchises, and I'm just
0: trying to just trying to enjoy it. So we were driving down to Richland. We we went over to uh my wife's brother's house this weekend, kind of did a little staycation down there. Got a three-day weekend, uh, semester break over here. And it dawned on me when we were driving down, because we were gonna watch the football games with his brother. I was like, holy cow, there's a there's a possibility that the Bengals and the Rams are going mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl, meaning fully v thorny. <laughs> we're gonna have this. We're going to have this uh, spat between us. (laughs) We're going to have this spat between us. And and since the the AFC title game and the NFC title game, I've seen that you have launched a full-on attack on me on Twitter with memes and pictures and calling me out. What have I done? Being a Bengals fan, Skyline Chili, socks. Those are cool socks. You don't want those socks? That was not SmackDown. I smack would talk. love those socks. You love Skyline Chili and
1: the Bengals. I like. I was thinking of you. <laughs>
0: yeah. all, all I'm saying is, I rarely get on Twitter anymore, and then I get on there and I have like all these notifications, and I look at them, and it's Thorny just giving me full on. Hey, a let's few go. memes, maybe where uh, we've had a couple people <laughs> tag us, and like, uh, are you guys going to do
1: a an NFL uh, Super Bowl episode because of the your team <laughs> affiliations? And I, I responded to. One of them, I remember the meme from Napoleon Dynamite where Napoleon like slaps his brother Kiff and just runs off. (laughs) So there's been a couple, there may have been a couple little smacky memes, but (laughs) I mean, that's not an all out offensive. You would know if it was an all out offensive. All right. So. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. It's pretty cool, man. It's awesome, man. Like how cool is it that we got to celebrate it. We got to go to a national championship game together in Frisco to see the Bobcats and now we get to watch both our teams square off against each other in the in the Super uh, Bowl. Pretty amazing. You this know, t- this will never
0: happen so, again. This will never happen again. All three teams, no. <laughs> yeah. It will I'm not gonna say never because there there is definitely momentum on all of our teams fronts. I would say the, Rams. the Bengals. Yeah. I think the I think the Rams window is closing. They're an older. They team. went all they got, in, man. This
1: is a, this is the, it's a Super Bowl or bust for the Rams. They got like no draft picks yeah. left. They got
0: nothing. <laughs> Once this year is over, it's going to be just so bad. <laughs> yeah, I was jokingly talking to you. It feels like the Rams are like like you said, the Lakers of the NFL world, where they just hey, you're really good. We can buy you. You want to yeah. come over here? We'll pay you enough money to come win a championship. Whereas the Bengals. You know, much more organic. We had two-win season, a four-win season. We drafted Joe Burrow, number one in the draft. Drafted Jamar Chase because we only had four wins that next season. Um, Yeah, Bengals are, you know, Bengals are young. I mean, when I think of Bengals, like, we'll just kind of talk about, like, the Bengals right now. I think of, like, right now, they just have, like, a swagger. They have a confidence. I love Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor was... He was on the chopping block for two years. Like I think if they didn't have Mike Brown as their um, owner, Zach Taylor would have been gone last year because he only had six wins in two years, right? I mean, that's not good. Joe Burrow had his horrific knee injury, MCL, ACL, PCL, all of it. (laughs) (laughs) On that high-low hit. Yeah. uh, In 2020, I think that was 2020. It wouldn't have been 2021 quite yet. Anyways, yeah these these Bengals man they're they're too young to know about the the post Bengals just suckiness for decades now they don't care about that because these guys are coming out of LSU you got Jamar Chase Joe Burrow T Higgins Tyler Boyd I mean not all of LSU but these guys just I love the narrative that they're saying they're like I'm tired of the I'm tired of the underdog. We're a good team. We're here to make some noise, and it's just really refreshing because as a as a a lifelong Bengals fan who's been just beat down for so long, it's been hard to believe. But they're starting to make me believe, and now we're in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's been a really cool.
1: It's been an exciting year for the Bengals. Their regular season. Mm-hmm. What now? So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, lay something out here. I'm not as nearly as big an NFL fan as I am. FCS Bobcat football fan. So I'm going to have to ask some like rudimentary questions here and there. The Bengals Raider season wasn't that good, was it? Weren't they like 10 and seven? Correct. So they snuck in. Are they the four seed? So who was like the. How many seeds are there in the NFL nowadays? I'm going to ask that really dumb question because they expanded the playoff, didn't they? They did this year. And I don't know that answer. So the four, I know it's the first time in NFL or Super Bowl history that there hasn't been at least a 3 seed on either side of the the game so that's kind of a crazy stat but the rams literally lost a regular season finale in overtime to the niners after being up like 24 to 7 or something at halftime they almost lost and they they lost that game and they almost lost the bucks game in the same manner where they came out and just pounded the team and then like completely let up and almost lost the game and completely collapsed they did lose the game they would have been the number 2 seed if they hadn't lost that game, and that was actually the game that the Niners made the playoffs because of that win. So I think it's kind of two different narratives. They're both four seeds, but the Rams are really like should have been a two seed. So it's a little bit different in that regard. But yeah, two teams that are, are relative underdogs. I don't think I don't think many people gave the Rams a chance to beat the Bucks in Tampa Bay, and especially sure didn't come out and smack them around the way they did. They almost lost that game, but it's, it's pretty cool to see. Just not the teams that I think everyone would have penciled in at the beginning of the year to be to be Super Bowl champ or playing in the Super Bowl. Just like just how everyone drew it up, right? Bengals and Rams.
0: <laughs> Nobody drew that up. Thorny, I uh, quickly right here, I, I found a stat today that the Bengals had 125 to 1 odds in the preseason to make the Super Bowl. I heard they had like the second to worst odds in the
1: NFL. Is, is that what you're saying there too? I think it was only, only like the lion's head
0: <laughs> so to make the Super Bowl. Jared got yeah, there's some people cashing in on the Bengals right now, for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're like, oh, I'll put some money on that. Who cares if I, I lose 20 bucks on that? You're like, sweet. <laughs> Cash so, that in, right? So how do the Bengals go on their little playoff
1: run here? I want to I want to get your perspective.
0: Well, you know, they started with the Raiders. We had the Raiders at home. The Raiders were that last team to get in, and so we hosted them, and we had a 26-19 uh, win against the Raiders. Uh, that was huge because uh, Montana State, the, the Bengals. Right? It's so weird. We're talking not my State. It's going <laughs> to default to that, I'm sure. That was the win where it felt like like demons had been cast out. Could uh, Montez a monkey tossed off <laughs> the back, if you will? <laughs> exactly, as we talk about the Bobcats all year. There's been a uh, there's been a little bit of in the media. They call it the Cincinnati curse. It goes through the Bengals. It goes through the Bengals and and um and the Reds. Basically, any professional sports team in Cincinnati has this kind of curse. They've talked about where they don't win a postseason uh, series and. I mean, I can go back talk about like the Giants versus the Reds and in, in the playoffs and where everything is comes down to a couple outs and then we hit like Muffa ground ball. I don't even want to go through it. Or Giovanni Bernard, uh you know, fumbling against the Steelers in 2015 when the game was wrapped up, and then Vontez Berfick gets a personal foul. You know, against oh my gosh, you know, I, there's been times where I've cried as a Cincinnati fan where it's just really broken my heart. And so to win, to win the one game, just cast out all that uh, negativity. Like I said, those demons that haunted Cincinnati just was cast out. When's the last time the Bengals had won a the playoff game prior to that? 1988. Really? Yeah, man, I think so. That's crazy. <laughs> it was, it was a long time. And so, and that's kind of like the joke about Cincinnati sports is it just breaks your heart over and over again. But the um, Chili's good. Yeah, the Chili's good, right? <laughs> so that one, you know, there's a cool thing about that to win too is Coach Zach Taylor gives out the game balls afterwards. He started giving out the game balls to the city. And he's he's making this a, a thing they do every year. Every time they win a playoff game now, instead of uh, some establishment, a bar gets a game ball from the Bengals. It's for the it's for the fans. So there's That's this cool. uh, picture of him. Yeah, there's not a picture, a video of him going to I don't know, some bar in Cincinnati after the playoff game in uh, against the win against the Raiders. And he's uh he's there with uh Kevin Huber who is a punter and longtime um placeholder for the Bengals and they're giving the ball to the bar and they're like this one's for you this this is for the city this is for the the Bengals fans who's been here for the thick and thin and uh, uh you know he talks about this is what we're going to do this is the tradition that is starting every every playoff win now the balls are going out to you know whoever whoever earns it in the in the team but also the Cincinnati fans I think that's really cool that is cool like you,
1: you know you got to reward a passionate fan base who's suffered for so long that's a cool thing to do. And, you know, I've always had a soft spot in my heart. I've always liked the Bengals a lot, actually. They've always been borderline second or third favorite team. So really? I'd be rooting for the Bengals easily if it weren't for the fact they're playing the Rams. Uh, Bengals and Browns. I've, I always, know I've always liked the Browns, too. Something yeah? about that orange Interesting. orange color palette. Just I like it, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I've always liked the Bengals, man. Uh, so it'll be... I mean, I've always liked underdogs, I guess, part of it too. So that's maybe why I was attracted to the Rams because they were garbage and I liked that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Michael, I have a question for you. Um, sure. Maybe, I don't know if you know this, uh, the Rams this year, especially against the Niners, man, I don't know if you watched either, if you watched the playoff game against the Niners, but it happened in the regular season too. There was almost as many, if not more, Niners fans In the stands at SoFi Stadium. Are the Bengals, Mm -hmm. will there be more Bengals fans than Rams fans in Los Angeles, even though it's a home game? (laughs) I I think there might, I think there may be more Bengals fans.
0: I don't know, man. Those tickets are so expensive. Who is it saying that they're like between five and $20,000? $5,000 and $20,000? Is that correct? I don't don't even
1: care. My grandpa went to like the second Super Bowl ever and he paid like $20
0: for a ticket or something. Yeah. Which back then, my obviously, father, the one, but. my <laughs> father in law went to the first. My father in law went to the first. <laughs> it was like his claim. He's like, I went to the first Super Bowl. I was like, no way. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, the Super Bowls are not that old. I mean, this No, they're Super not. No, they're not. It's kind of no. crazy. Yeah. I mean, plenty of people are alive for all of them. <laughs> There's a parallel between uh, the Bengals and Tom Brady and the Rams. Let, let me lay this out for you. So, Tom Brady, he was the youngest quarterback to win a Super Bowl at 24 and a half against the stupid Rams. Against, against this, <laughs> the Rams, his first one. Now, Joe Burrow comes in, who's 25. There's a little bit of parallel there. You know, the, the whole Joe Burrow narrative could be, you know, he, he, fill in the blank right there right so there could be something there it could be
1: man like making the super bowl is so much harder to do than people i think realize man like dan marino perfect example makes the super bowl like his is like rookie year i believe miami yeah never goes again never makes it back to the super bowl ever one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the nfl like it's crazy like it's it's harder to get there than you think it is and Hopefully, it's the first of many for like Joe Burrow and company, but you know, hopefully, uh, his first win's not up soon because you got a guy who uh, a lot of people are also rooting for him. they kind of the opposite respect, I man. Matt Stafford has been on a. You talk about like Cincinnati curses, man. Like, what about Detroit? They've had such <laughs> good players over the years, like Barry Sanders, <clears throat> like Matt Stafford's got like 50,000 passing yards or something in his career, and he's never won a playoff game period before he came to los angeles i don't know if that's an indictment of detroit the or, or or if it's a matt stafford needed like everything else in place to be a good quarterback in the first place i don't really know but the point is like there's there's that storyline of matt stafford finally getting his chance yeah. to win a super bowl ring but then uh, a guy like aaron donald who's been dominant one of the most dominant Players defensively, the NFL has ever seen. He doesn't have a ring. So, like, there's there's a lot of cool storylines in this one. I think there's a lot of things that people can root for. Obviously, I think uh, most people would be rooting for the Bengals because they're, you know, they're big underdogs and LA is just a LA sports franchise and they signed all these superstars and stuff. But there's a lot of cool storylines, I think, to get behind. There's no like evil team here yet because neither team is won enough to truly be like an evil empire. <laughs> the Rams are closer to that, obviously, but, you know, they haven't won a Super Bowl in 20 years. They've only made it to one yeah. Super Bowl since then, or I guess two, two Super Bowls since the two thousand or the nineteen ninety nine two thousand Super Bowl season.
0: Yeah, the last one I think you guys only scored three points. Yeah, that was a,
1: that was that super like sixteen to three loss or whatever to the to the Patriots. Real barn burner, real <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> exciting Super Bowl. The
0: Jared Goff show, who is now a Detroit oh, Lion. Man. Hey Thorny, I have some buy or sell questions on the Super Bowl. How about we end this episode with some buy or sell?
1: Well, that and we got to make predictions, man. We got to. Oh, we're, not, yeah. we're not doing okay. like Bobcat we, we, stuff.
0: We can totally do a full
1: prediction on this. I want to. Uh, it'll be it'll be fun. But right. uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, go ahead. Hit
0: me. All right. So well, let's let's put it this way. Do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? Because I'm going to hit on some major topics on the buyer sell. Like actual football topics? Yeah, and and you knew we were going to talk about the Super Bowl today. Is there anything else you want to bring up before we get into the buyer sell?
1: I mean, I just had a question for you. Um, I don't know if it'll pertain to your buyer sells or not. I just want to know, do you think the Bengals need to play their best game to win?
0: No, I don't. I... So, how, how are you I feeling about that this game? We haven't is, even
1: talked about like the matchups at all. Yeah. I mean, we don't need to get into de- details, but how are you feeling no, about no, I think th-
0: the prognostications of this? So, everybody's saying that the, the Bengals is a Cinderella story, right? That's kind of a narrative that's easy to latch onto. Joe Burrow, the whole a Bengals team is going to tell you just the opposite. They believe it. And they've got me believing too. Like, they said, I mean, think about this, Ryan. They beat the AFC champion, the the um, Kansas City Chiefs, th- their second best team now. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs twice in one month. Yeah. I mean. It's pretty impressive. I mean, come on. <laughs> like They they continue to just make plays. That's the cool thing about it is I see a little bit of parallel. I'll bring it back to the Bobcats right now. I see a little bit of parallel between the Bobcats and the Bengals yeah. where they just believe. They got guys on the team. They're like, you know what? We're just going to go make a play. And the cool thing I really like about the Bengals, Tony, I follow them on Instagram. I follow them on their socials. The culture of that team, the way that Zach Taylor has crafted that team, it is a brotherhood. And when you, when you see that at a professional level and you hear guys say, this is the best locker room I've ever been a part of, that's a special thing. And I love that because I'm such a culture guy. So I've bought in to the Bengals thing. I've been. I'm still hesitant because I've, <laughs> I've endured 20 plus, 30 plus years of just like, hey, Bengals suck. You're just always waiting for the other shoe to drop. But these guys are too young, too brash, too confident, to care about any of that. They're like, no, we win. That's who we are. So when you ask me what do I feel about this, I feel confident because every week they just continue to win. <laughs> they were down. At one point against the Chiefs, 21 3. They came back. They had 11 point deficit in um at going into halftime. And say what you want. We held Patrick Mahomes to three points after halftime in two straight games. And I think he only had like 80 some yards of passing in um uh the second half as well. Our our defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo, uh the makes fantastic adjustments. Uh, I think just the confidence our players have is fantastic. They believe they're going to win. They believe that this is not just a possibility, but like, hey, this is going to happen. The thing that gives me pause is our offensive line versus your defensive line. I mean, that's the big story in the national media right now. But when it comes down to it, I just go, yeah, I feel like the Bengals are probably going to win this game because they continue to prove me that they will win. So that's how I feel. So, if you want to go back
1: to this analogy, do you believe it's like Bobcats versus kind of North Dakota State situation or the Rams no. in the s u Obviously, they're not near as dominant, but uh, no. they have the star power. They have the, I think they're favorites, three and a half point favorites from what I've seen. Are you worried about some sort of buzzsaw where the Rams have coaches that have coached in the Super Bowl? The Rams have players that have played in Super Bowl on multiple teams. They have all sorts of experience in these kinds of games.
0: Well, if, if that was the case, I would have felt like NDSU was more like the Chiefs than the Rams. Yeah, we already con- conquered conquer that hurdle. So I don't feel uh I don't feel as nervous for this game. I thought the Chiefs were I'll just put it this way. I say the Chiefs are better than the Rams.
1: They could be. It could be. That that doesn't mean the matchup isn't better for the Rams. Good point. The Rams might match yeah, it better exactly. with the Bengals yeah. than the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, well, you know, the, the Bengals gave up nine sacks against the Titans and still won that game. Yeah. And the, the Rams and, have a better offense the Rams, than the Titans. <laughs> yeah, and they have a better defensive line as well. And so that, that's a huge concern for me. It's like, I mean, you're looking at Aaron Donald, uh, uh, Vaughn Miller, uh, got another guy on there that they're going to wreck
1: shop. Leonard Floyd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Leonard Floyd, the, the, the big three deal.
0: that you talk about when you talk about the Rams defensive linemen. He, that's, and our offensive line sucks. Like, that's the biggest thing. You know, after this year, I'm, I'm, they're going to go all in on the offensive line. Protect Joe Burrow. I mean, he's the franchise. Like, you got to protect that guy. How we adjust for that, whether it's a short passing game, trying to get the ball out quick. I don't know. I listened to podcasts. I know. Yesterday, there's a couple things they can do. That's gonna be a challenge for the Bengals for sure. The Rams defensive line, I
1: think I think Aaron Donald, as I hate to say it as a Rams fan, is uh past his prime. He is I on the so. decline. Yes. I think he's on the decline. Now he's still a, an elite player. This is the first year that I've watched Aaron Donald play in years where I'm like, you know, he's a little bit human. There's a little <laughs> he's losing the slightest <laughs> of steps. But I also believe that he realizes that this could be his last chance to win a Super Bowl. So I think he is going yeah. to get fired up. He's going to play the game of his life. But I, I, my biggest fear is that the Rams don't get any pressure on Joe Burrow. They got, up until that last drive, they got nowhere near Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, they were nowhere near him. They had, like, three knockdowns the entire game. Zero sacks and, like, three knockdowns all the way up until, like, the last drive. <laughs> like, they were, no, he was just man. untouched. Now they weren't really blitzing or anything, but the Rams just couldn't get anywhere near them. Offensive line yeah. for San Francisco is very good, but yeah, I don't know. That's my that's my fear. But uh, you know, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this game myself too. Like I, the Rams when they turn it on are one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best team in the NFL. The problem is they just can't sustain that for an entire game, and they've they've proven that. Sure. They jump out and smoke teams. And then they just let off the gas and then they completely fall apart and almost blow games. You saw that in Tampa Bay. They came out and just pounced on them. And then they almost, they it took like a last second miracle throw by Matt Stafford to Cooper Cup to line up a field goal to win the game, right? And then a regulation, like, any more time, that game's over. If that happens and there's still a minute left on the clock, the Rams lose. Like, in my mind, like, that was, that's the only way the Rams could have won is the way that they did win with the way that game was going. Because they kept fumbling everything. It was a complete team collapse. But when the Rams are on, man, they are—they are really hard to beat. They have a lot of firepower on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, they can be very good, but they don't have a very good linebacking core. So mm-hmm. I don't—I don't know about the Bengals. I don't know what kind of offense they run, but the Rams—the Rams' linebackers aren't stellar in the secondary. Actually, with uh, some injuries, I mean we had to bring Eric Weddle out of retirement for crying out loud who's played pretty well, don't get me wrong, but he's a he was a very, very good player, but he's been out of the league for two years. That just tells you how the depth of the, the, <laughs> the secondary has been for the Rams to bring back a retired player to go alongside Jalen Ramsey.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you have Jalen Ramsey, but besides that, I'm not I'm not too worried about that. That's the thing the, the Bengals have in spades is just their offensive weapons. I mean, they're going to try to take away Jamar Chase, which they should because Jamar Chase is... It's just the dude, but then you have to deal with T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, C.G. Uzama, hopefully can come back from his knee injury. I, I'm not sure if he does or not, but Joe Burrow it has proven over and over again. When you take away one, well, right, right on, let's let the others feast. And so uh, that that that's something that gives me a little bit of a, just encouragement as, as a Bengals fan, for sure.
1: The last thing I want to say before we go on, um, biggest emergent, biggest Positives to the Rams' success: the biggest, re- some of the biggest reasons for me is uh, the emergence of, o- of Odell Beckham Jr., who yeah came in. They signed him because Robert Woods, one of their top targets, uh, I think he tore his ACL. I don't remember what it was, but he's out for the season. Uh, nicknamed Bobby Trees, Robert Robert Woods, kind of a funny nickname. Um, but he got hurt, and Beckham kind of worked his way in. Like, is it going to work? Is is a guy like? A big personality, a big media guy like Beckham, going to fit into a Sean McVay's system, and it took some time, but he had like what nine receptions for like 113 yards, his first 100 yard rece- receiving game in, in like since 2019 against the Niners. So he's really come back on strong. Cam Akers, eh, the the best running back the Rams have, came back from an ACL tear and and played really well. He got dinged up a little bit against San Francisco, but man, we we signed like Sony Michelle from like the Patriots because we were so depleted running back all year long so the rams have gotten healthy in some ways they got some some new players that came in gelling so i think the rams are kind of coming together offensively at the right time i actually think this is gonna be a pretty high scoring game
0: you think so i think it's gonna be a high scoring game see i don't think so i think it's gonna be limited by the pass rush for from the rams i think we're gonna have to get the ball out really early I also think you're probably underestimating the Bengals defense. The Bengals defense is probably the number one key why we're in the Super Bowl. If you look past, if you look in the past couple of weeks, we made strategic adjustments in the halftime of each of those games, and we've had takeaways to end the games to set us up for those Evan McPherson field goals, all three of them. So, uh, I would predict. You know, let's hold off on predictions. Okay. I want to get to these buyer sales. Okay. I have All a right. couple of buyer sales, and um, I think they're, they're going to be some good questions. Let's do it. All right. Thorny, buyer sell. Is it fair that the Rams have their home locker room for the Super Bowl? They do at SoFi Stadium. I heard it today. They will be in their home locker room. There's two home locker rooms in SoFi Stadium, the Chargers and the Rams. They get their own locker room <laughs> for the Super Bowl. Buyer sell. That's fair. Uh, So uh, let me ask you, are the...
1: Are the Bengals declared the home team? They yeah. are. So I guess not. I guess it's not fair, but I don't think it really matters though.
0: Oh, you don't think
1: it matters at all? A state-of-the-art facility like that? With two, like you're gonna get the Chargers
0: home team, man. Like it's not like it's a dump. <laughs> uh it's just in an, an advantage that they have, is all I'm saying. No one's so ever I'm, won coming. I'm, I'm, gonna, go, nice I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say that right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this. I think this is the sell, sell, sell. It is not fair for the Rams to have their own home locker room be the same in in the Super Bowl. I don't think it's fair. But I don't it's think just it's just the rhythm. I think it doesn't matter at all. I think man, yeah, <laughs> you and I are different on this. It is a disadvantage for the Bengals. Okay. All right. sell? Joe Burrow is sacked 5 or more times in the Super Bowl. So, he's not, he's not sacked 5 times. I wish he would be. I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to sell that as well. I don't think he is sacked five times. On that, good. I think they learned. I don't know what they learned from the Titans. I uh, <laughs> he's going to get hit more than five times. Ooh, I put that. I put that as five. I don't know, five or more. I mean, could it depends how south. the game goes. If the Bengals are
1: down a score or too late in the game, and and the Rams are able to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback, he's going
0: to get crunched. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, uh, we we have all heard of uh the Dallas Cowboys as the America's team. By ourselves, sell. Bengals are now the America's team. If you're asking me who most of America's going to be rooting for, then
1: yes, I'll buy it. They're definitely the Bengals. Like everyone loves an underdog. It's either a story history historic team like the Cowboys or the Yankees, like that's the teams people like or the underdogs, so they're the two choices and neither one of these teams are the storied franchise. So yes, the Bengals are America' team
0: for yeah, this game. For I sure. would agree. I, I was going to buy that. Uh, I think the the majority of America will be rooting for the Bengals. You and I talked about uh just kind of the fluency that has allowed the Rams to uh, essentially purchase and put together their team. There's still salary cap for
1: everybody, buddy. <laughs>
0: Well, I also feel like the um. So a little bit of a tangent on this, I think the the Bengals have an opportunity. Let's say the Bengals win, they have an opportunity to start maybe a dynasty. That's Joe true. Burrow is in his rookie contract right now, and we all know what rookie contracts allow. They allow for good players to come to the teams, right? And so they have a window right now where if they win this, they could start building on this and then be a real force for years to come. I think the Bengals are probably going to be good for the next 10 years as long as, long as Joe Burrow is healthy. I think you, they're going to be good or they'll go the goal they way of the chance. Seahawks where Russell Wilson gets a big contract and they have to mm. cut a bunch of other players and then Russell yeah. Wilson hogs his entire salary cap and the Seahawks are no longer a power. I'm, I'm really hoping that doesn't happen <laughs> and I don't think it will Uh but uh you know fingers crossed for this for this Bengals fan. All right by yourself Thorny. Sean McVay outcoaches himself in the Super Bowl <laughs> That's a great question, man. He's such a good coach,
1: but he's such a he overthinks things sometimes, I man. The challenges in the NFC Championship game were terrible, both of them. Yep. I, well, one of them was I could see why he would. Uh, yeah, I could. I could totally buy that. I could totally buy Sean McVay trying to be too tricky and it, biting him in the ass.
0: Yes, <laughs> he's a good. Coach. I will buy that as well. I think he's going to outsmart himself when he's already the smartest guy in the room. So it's interesting too. You probably know this that uh Zach Taylor is from the coaching tree of Sean mcvay that he got his uh his uh he was on the um he was on the Rams staff.
1: See I did not know that. Like I'm I'm telling you man, like the NFL I don't follow that near as close man. I can name way more coaching trees in the FCS than I could in the NFL which is pretty hmm. funny, but uh, I did not know that. That's funny. What <laughs> what year was he on the staff?
0: Uh, well, it would have been three years ago. So he came the su- from- The Rams Super Bowl season? In. Yep. Nice. Exactly. He was Jared Goff's coach.
1: <laughs> that was Jared Goff's best year, man. Every year after that was a decline.
0: So maybe he was the magic man. <laughs> there you go. All right. I think we said we both bought that. Uh, Buy or sell who day as a chant.
1: They'll buy it. Like I already told you, I think there'll be more Bengals fans there. Is that a chant that happens normally? Oh yeah. Who? Day well then, yes. Why do not know if it's cedo, a chant or just like a motto? Like I like I said, I don't. I don't know. They do they chant that in the stadium? Like who day who? Like I don't know.
0: No, they they say who day who day who they think can beat them Bengals who day who day who they think can beat them Bengals. Nobody. <laughs> That's the that is the that is the song that they play that they sing. And uh, after every victory inside the locker. Oh, so, so it has to be a victory? Is. So no, they're not singing it if it requires a victory, because they're going to lose. But that—exactly. be exactly. So that's—it's become their credo. That, this is exactly their ethos. That They are the Houdet Nation, not to be confused with the Houdet Nation of the Saints. Of course. I don't want to get into that right now. <laughs> I'm buying Houdet all along. I know people people who follow me on Twitter are probably sick of it, because I'm just screaming in all caps, Houdet. In these last couple of weeks. weeks. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just
1: like interject yourself like who day. And then you don't talk like there'll be a conversation that going on about something else. it will just come in who day. And then you won't, you'll be, you'll, you're out. He's <laughs> <Peace. laughs> like, okay, there's foley's who day and he's gone.
0: <laughs> fully visited Twitter with the who day and he's gone. All right. And then I just like everything Bingles right now. So if you follow me, you're just like, Oh man, fully disliked another thing. bingles. Good job. Anyways. All right. One guy we haven't talked about. Buy or sell Thorny Cup, Cooper Cup over Jamar Chase. Buy it all day long. <laughs> easy buy, easy buy. He's having easy like the buy, best huh? his,
1: best receiving Ooh. season in the NFL history, man.
0: Pure, gosh, this one is hard. Pure for me. athletic
1: talent, no, I, but he's the most productive receiver. Like the numbers don't lie, and it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. He's their favorite target. He's the best target. He runs the best route. He has the best hands, and he's way better yards after the catch than you ever think he is. I saw something like 75% or more of his catches this year have been for like first downs. He's a first down machine. It's easy pick.
0: Yeah.
1: I never thought of like an an Eastern Washington Eagle so much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Love that guy. That's what makes it so hard for me. Uh, If I wasn't a Bengals fan, if I was just an objective fan, I would pick Cup. I really would. But I'm a Bengals fan. I'm going Chase. I'm going to sell this. I'm going to go Jamar Chase over Cooper Cup. And I don't apologize.
1: All right. I'm going to ask you a question then. Uh, I thought of one Why we're going here. Buy or sell Matthew Stafford's storyline over Joe Burrow's
0: storyline. Matthew Stafford came from Georgia. He was drafted by the Detroit Lions where he sucked. Well, he was a good quarterback. He was a good quarterback. The team sucked. Yeah, he was a good quarterback. Yeah, the team sucked. He had Megatron. For a long time. They did make one playoff game. They lost it. Joe Burrow. Start of his career at Ohio State. Was uh, behind Justin Fields. Saw the writing on the wall. Transferred to Louisiana State University. LSU. Became the Heisman Trophy winner. Won the National Championship. And now has a chance to be the only quarterback. In the world. Ever to win the Heisman the national championship and a super bowl i'm taking joe burrow all the way i think you're kind of missing the spirit of my question maybe i didn't phrase it correctly
1: um, it, it, it boils down to basically the veteran quarterback who's finally getting his chance
0: versus the up and comer like who what's the uh, better story i think it's still joe burrow and here's why joe burrow has completely changed the narrative of the cincinnati bengals i don't feel that it is the same for Matthew Stafford. I don't feel like he's changed the complete narrative of the the Rams. I feel like he's found a coach that knows how to accentuate his awesomeness. Matthew Stafford is a badass quarterback, no doubt. And I think he has a, a better supporting cast for sure. But Joe Burrow, the Bengals go as Joe Burrow goes. His confidence, his swagger. And Joe Burrow has this weird Macaulay Culkin-esque, like, Weirdness about him. and He <laughs> he wears this. Uh, he comes on the scene and he wears these weird, like bougie sunglasses sometimes and turtlenecks with smoke, some uh, cigars, you know, blinged out, uh, blinged out, uh, uh, like you know, iced out chains. And you're just like, gosh, that's such a bad look. Didn't someone like, ask him, like,
1: like, I don't care, are those diamonds real <laughs> on his necklaces? I make too much money for those to be fake or something along the exactly. <laughs>
0: And he's and then like, a, like, you're like, like a white Deion Sanders. You're you're totally <laughs> right. And you look at this kid and you're like, oh my gosh, that's just like, he makes it cool. It's so, yeah. it's,
1: he is cool. He's so cool. I can't even argue He's that. so cool it's that, that it's cool. cool.
0: You're like, you're like, oh my gosh, those so sunglasses. It's so stupid, but yet
1: he, it works. How is this yeah,
0: working? Exactly. He wore purple sunglasses in the press conference and you're like, you think that's cool, Joe Burrow? And you're like, it's cool because it's Joe Burrow. It's just he's just different man. The guy is different. He's a trans transcendent talent and just the way he carries himself he's just like you know, F this narrative of we're like this underdog team, we're here to make noise, we're here a good team. He's got everybody believing in him. So, I get what you're saying like, you know, if Stafford wins it good on him because like any both of our quarterbacks deserve it. Uh I think Stafford's window is closing. Like like we've talked about I'm still going Joe Burrow, man. I just think it's it's just too good for he's too important for the whole thing. I think, I think it's, I'm going Joe Burrow.
1: I mean, you're probably right. Obviously as a, as a Rams fan, I'd pick Matt Stafford. I have a soft spot for, and this, this goes back to my days as a Suns fan for really talented players. who have all time, like statistics, who can't win a ring. Yeah, I mean Steve yeah. Nash, example number one of that never won it. Oh, I don't even know if he ever even made it. Like the 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 Suns were just knocked out of the playoffs every single year when they had mar Stoudemire and the, the three
0: second thing and all that stuff. So it. What about Andrew Whitworth who went from the Bengals to the Rams? Now, <laughs> yeah, I mean go. he's one of like he's like that's 40. The, that's his storyline that that we haven't talked about. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was on the last Super Bowl
1: team too. He's a solid player. I think this will be his last year, if I had to guess. He actually, yeah, hurt his. He got hurt pretty bad this season and came back. Like that guy's somehow, mm. as old as he is, still like just comes back and bounces back. But I, mean, I don't know. I it's not like Matt Stafford is like the most likable guy ever. So like, it depends on how likable the person is in this situation. Like, I I think Steve Nash was pretty likable. Matt Stafford, I think, is okay. But like, if you're talking like Philip Rivers. Like, I don't care if Philip Rivers ever wins a Super Bowl. <laughs> that guy was kind of a that tool, good. right? <laughs> so he had, I mean, one of the all-time greats, don't get uh, me wrong, but that guy was just a straight meathead. <laughs> and yeah. I didn't care if he <laughs> never got his shot. But Matt Stafford's yeah. likable cool enough. Like, all right, I mean, I, I have a soft spot for this kind of thing. So I think the storyline is better in that angle. I think Joel Burrow's story has got lots more cha- more time to be written. Matt Stafford, like you said, yeah. this is like, this is the twilight. This is the best chance the Rams lose a whole bunch this year so I think Matt Stafford for me but I you know that I think it's a, I think you got two quarterbacks and two storylines you can root for as a casual fan.
0: Yeah, or as a fan as a
1: the fan of an other other teams in the NFL <laughs> that aren't like direct rivals to either but like the Steelers or <laughs> like that. the uh-huh. Niners sure there's no Niners I mean, rooting for Matt Stafford
0: but all right. I got one more buy yourself question. Yeah. And then we'll be done with this episode. Buy yourself, Thorny. I will attend or host a Super Bowl party. Well, actually, my uh my
1: parents are probably coming over and they were gonna come over anyway. That's been one of our biggest family traditions for a long time. It's been harder the last few years with COVID and everything, but yes, I'm having my parents over. That was decided before the Rams ever made it. So yes, I'm hosting a Super Bowl party because we typically do. But even more exciting that I get to be in it. I get to root for a
0: team, man. It's so much more exciting. I did have a secondary question to that that I didn't put down, but I'm going to ask it right now. Are you a guy that makes the food for the Super Bowl party, or do you traditionally go out and buy food for the Super Bowl party? Uh, I like to make food, but I also don't like to miss the game. So
1: I do a mix of, like, uh, frozen garbage and some homemade stuff that I can get going ahead of time. I don't like to be like, all right, let's go, let's go make the wings right now, like in the middle of the second quarter. Like I hate that. I don't like, I don't want to miss any of the action. So gotcha. Well, so, so probably not like during other times when it's not the Rams, sure. But when the Rams are playing, man, I'm not gonna miss a second of that game.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm gonna buy that. I'm gonna host the Super Bowl party. I think we're gonna have my mother in law who becomes some weird good luck charm. She she was there for the 2018 Bobcat Grizz game. Um, She was there uh, on Sunday when we <laughs> won the AFC Championship game. So my mother-in-law is going to come over, whether she likes it or not. Uh, <laughs> I ordered Bengals cups, not cups. I ordered Bengals napkins and plates today online. I ordered a Super Bowl uh, sheet that you put over your. What was it? A tablecloth? Yeah, yeah, sure. And then uh I think I'm honestly I'm I'm just going to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and get a whole bunch of, you know, wings to bring back to the house and then uh set up shop and just enjoy the game.
1: Well, that sounds good, man. Like wings are the one thing I can I can easily make cuz all I got to do is like throw them in the oven, bake them, yeah. and then toss them with a the sauce. That one's easy. But yeah, nothing wrong with Buffalo Wild Wings. So yeah, good good plan, man. I need to get some butt or no. Dang it, there I went. Right? I need to get some rammed yeah. core up in here. <laughs> I might still have the Marshall Falk beanie baby I had
0: Woo! Uh,
1: from. The, I actually remember remember him being like my little good luck charm in the first Super Bowl. The first Super Bowl win in nineteen ninety nine. Like he was my little buddy. I had him on the couch. I was in high school. I bet I could dig him out. He might have oh, to make man, a reappearance because if, if I find him, you're you're it's over for you.
0: It's still. Hurting. I don't know where it's he over. is.
1: But he might be in a box in the garage. <laughs> I'm pretty
0: sure he's All still right, around. Right. <laughs> well, you know. Nonetheless, I'm just stoked that both of our teams in it, and I'm actually, you know, having this conversation with you. You know, if the Rams win, I'm yeah. gonna be happy for you. I'm, I'll you be know, super. If the Bengals happy win, I know you'll be. I don't, I don't exactly. So, like, I couldn't think of a better
1: team to lose to.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Let's get out of here, man. It's been a long one. Score prediction.
1: Ooh, you, you, you delayed uh, it, so
0: now we got to do it at the very end here. Uh, so 30, uh, let's see, 31 is score that people make in football. (laughs) I was going to go like 31, 28 (laughs) Bengals.
1: I was thinking 31, 27 Rams.
0: I had the exact (laughs) same number
1: 31 (laughs) as as the winning score. I thought you said it wasn't going to be like, that is high scoring for the NFL. What are you talking about? That's like 60 combined points almost.
0: So Evan McPherson, Evan Money McPherson has made three uh three game winning field goals Ugh. in this well, I guess not in the the Raiders. We we beat them in 26-19. So uh do come man, down to I that again? Surprised you. Uh,
1: you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Better not come down I, to I hope not. To Mac Mac <laughs> Gay has been uh not very good. He won the he made the kick that won the game against the the Bucks, but that was also Pretty easy shot. He also was short on a forty-seven-yard field goal in that game, which I don't know that's how you—I right. don't know how you do that as an NFL kicker. That's that's not good. Yeah. Um, he's been pretty. If it comes down to like a kick, man, I, I like your kicker a lot better than than the Rams. So yeah. special teams. Well, we drafted a kicker. That's why you draft a kicker, right Yeah. There. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So I'm on thirty-one twenty-seven. You're thirty-one twenty-eight from our respective teams. That's kind of funny. Great minds like think alike, I guess. At least in terms of winning score. the score, the winning <laughs> score of the winning team being 31 points. <laughs> Woo! Good day!
0: All right, buddy, get us out of here. Whose
1: house? Rams' house. That's what the Rams chant. Um, all right, man. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you're still listening to this, uh, thanks for listening to our random NFL, well, not random, but our NFL chat Rams versus Bengals. How cool is it that we're both have a team? In this game, we both had the Bobcats. Just a crazy year, man. Just a lot of fun. Thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Catcast. You can find us on the internet, RRCatCast.com. You can always shoot us an email at RRCatCast at gmail.com. I want to thank Jeremiah Johnson, our sponsor, one last time and fully. Let's get out of here with the uh, Go Cats and Go Rams.
0: Go Cats. Hootay. day. <laughs>